Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Radio Days Africa 2020 is about to go live. Welcome once again to Radio Days Africa, the virtual edition. I'm Franz Kruger, director of the Wits Radio Academy, and we are the hosts of Africa's biggest radio gathering. I'm really pleased to be here and looking forward to the discussion. We are on day 14 of the conference, and I'm told we've already exceeded our overall target of 2,000 attendances at these events. It's just fantastic, and it's been great to explore this new way of doing things. You'll find the program and registration details at www radiodaysafrica.co.za. A couple of housekeeping issues. Firstly, we're very keen for you to join the discussions. There'll always be an opportunity to make points and ask questions through the chat function or through the Q&A function that you'll find um, at the bottom of your Zoom screen. Secondly, please, we'd, be, we'd love to receive voice notes from you with thoughts on comments. The number is 79 528 um, it's also on screen somewhere. Um, of course, if you're outside of the country, then you would need to preface that with plus two seven. Please extend the discussion to social media. We're using uh, hashtag RDA2020 and hashtag the new normal. I need to say a couple of words of thanks. Firstly, to the Sub-Saharan Africa Media Program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation, whose ongoing and generous support makes the event possible. Secondly, we're also supported by Iono FM for podcasting and streaming, the Abundant Media Group, who are distributing sessions of the conference to community radio stations on their Vivid channel. We're grateful also to the support of RCN Sound Software, Crossfade Studios, and the National Association of Broadcasters. So today our topic is the SABC. Thinking about the session ahead of time, I was remembering what it was like when I joined the SABC in 1994 to be part of the new editorial team who were tasked with turning the apartheid state broadcaster into a new public broadcaster suited to the new democratic order. There was such a sense of hope and excitement at the time. Everything seemed possible. There were also some very strange features that we encountered, um, uh, but this is not the moment to go into those. Unfortunately, we have to admit that the corporation has not met that promise. There's been too much political interference and too little money, or maybe too much money wasted. The blurb for the session talks about five difficult years. It's been more like 15, it seems to me. And yet the SABC remains central to our public life, and there are lots of good people doing valuable work there. Today, we'll talk about the immediate situation, particularly the turnaround plan and the longer-term prospects for public broadcasting in a digital time. Let me introduce um, the panelists. Uh, I'm not going to read lengthy bios. You can look them up. Uh, firstly, we're very pleased to welcome Ian Plikis, who just a few months ago took on the very difficult role of Chief Operating Officer at the SABC after a long career in various corporate roles and most recently with the South African Bureau of Standards. I'm particularly grateful to Ian for joining us because he was due to be at a, an emergency board meeting this morning or this afternoon, um, and he was excused to join us. Then there's Duduet Sangmakuse, who's National Coordinator of the SAS Public Support Public Broadcasting Coalition, who I think is, is the leading civil society voice on broadcasting and particularly public broadcasting. 
Finally, we have Hannes de Busson, who is the long-serving president of the Broadcasting, Electronic Media and Allied Workers Union. I think Hannes was at the SABC when I was there um, so, many, so many years ago. So he really has been around the block um, several times. So I thought to start off with, um, I would ask Ian to give us a quick overview of the plan that the SABC um, uh, has put together to turn themselves around. Uh, I was really disturbed to find out that a couple of days ago, the SABC was due to, to, um, to present their situation to the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on the topic um, and were refused. Instead, we had the Deputy Minister uh, making some comment as if on the SABC's behalf. Um, and then there was a long discussion and yesterday various other people spoke uh, who I'm sure needed to be heard. But it seems outrageous that a parliamentary committee allowed the deputy minister to, in a sense, preempt the discussion. Well, if the parliamentary subcommittee won't hear the SABC, we're very keen to hear from them. So thanks very much for joining us, Ian. And let's hear a brief overview of what SABC wants to do. Thank you, Franz, and a good afternoon to you and to Dudu, to Hannes, and to the viewers as well. Uh, I'll bring up the presentation, and please let me know once you can see it. Yep, we can see it. Thanks. Awesome. And thank you very much for the invitation and the opportunity for us to come and share our plans with you and certainly to the wider audience as well. I'm sure it's no secret uh, to, to people that we are in the digital uh, vortex center. It's the eye of the storm. Now, digital vortex is basically um, the various industries that are plotted in terms of being most disrupted. And we have the unenviable position of being number one um, in that. With telecommunications following uh, after us and, and the tech industry, retail and the finance industry. And you can see how those industries are being disrupted. Um, life will never be the same again in those industries and certainly other industries as well. So before digital, and we're still very much on an analog space. The mantra then was content is king. Now we in the digital era and certainly post-digital as well, we're going to be there pretty soon. We are the consumer experiences king um, mantra now. And really where we find ourselves right now is actually marrying those two, both having content and customer experience as king. So you will remember that President Ramaphosa um, made a speech um, at the conference earlier this year. And he actually warned of massive job losses due to the implementation of 4IR. It, it is a, a worldwide phenomenon that as you digitize and automate, you need less manual people. So certainly, and I want to keep it specifically uh, or bring it closer to radio. Radio is also in the eye of the, the vortex. And, and what does life mean for us as the SABC in the vortex? Well, 2015 was supposed to be the date where we were supposed to have digitized. In 2017, 
Um, that still did not happen. There is a significant delay in the digitization of broadcasting. The only ones that were suffering was ourselves, SABC, because what that enabled was the consumer to move from the terrestrial uh, broadcasting to a more satellite um, option. And our competitors uh, certainly took advantage of the fact that we were not through regulations and policy allowed to play in the digital uh, space around DTH. And that is still to today. So if you fast forward to today, there's about 4.5 million households that's still on analog, while the rest has migrated to some form of a DTH uh, solution. Uh, and as I say, that regulations that prevented us before is still preventing us today from competing uh, adequately in that space. So the results of 4IR is convergence and certainly blurring of boundaries. So you have one instrument now that is supposedly a telephone, but you use that instrument far less for, for talking than actually reading books, watching television, music, radio, and a whole host of other things as well. It's very difficult um, when you're looking at developing specs, for example. So if you take a television and you put it in a refrigerator, um, what is that product now? Is it a fridge or is it a TV or combination of it? You put a sensor in there and, and you can send real-time information to uh, retailers to stock up the, the, the fridge as well. And you have three different uh, um, mechanisms now there with three different standards. And that's certainly what digitization does for our industry. So we have 19 radio stations and we have uh, just over 29 million people tuning into those radio stations. And certainly radio is in the eye of the storm. So there's various form factors that people consume radio. The traditional radio is still being the highest at 71%, but certainly more and more people are going to streaming, podcasts, and on-demand listening. And we need to uh, make sure that we are able to meet those demands as well. Um, SABC has nine of the top 10 radio stations. Um, our television audience is uh, just as uh, high as well. Just four of our radio stations, we have over 20 million uh, listeners tuning in. Um, and we are fast digitizing this business. And we hope that, that this will be concluded within this current financial year. <clears throat> now let's look at the impact of digitization. Currently, we are in a very linear way. So we do the productions, we uh, put that on our linear channels. If we have a catch up, we put it on there and then we push it through to SBOD and then certainly our marketing. Uh, very, very time consuming, very labor intensive as well. But what digitization does, it enables us to basically have one area that can control all the mediums. And so your process um, is better utilized. It reduces your processing time. 
it certainly reduces uh, time to pay. There's a reduction in overhead costs and certainly a reduction in people. And you can just see here, here's manual handovers that each person does and there's checks and balances. Yeah, there's one person doing that and it gets consumed on whatever channel that goes out presently. So this is where we find ourselves as an organization, it's adapt or die. We certainly do not want to become one of the other parastatals that you're seeing in the newspapers where um, the risk of closure is, is very high. So if you look at, um, uh, this is probably the most critical time for the organization. So what is our core focuses immediately and certainly for the near future? So we're rapidly reinventing ourselves. So we've developed a new business model and that business model looks at both costs, it looks at uh, customer segmentation, it looks at revenue. Um, we've developed a new target operating model and then certainly we need a new structure that is going to be underpinning that and enabling uh, the new way of doing business. We've embraced 4IR and certainly digital migration. So um, example, AI uh, and algorithms will be used to make sure that we ask the right questions and we give the, our customers the right content at the right time and certainly also the right data. Data management becomes very important and we will have a huge focus on business intelligence within the organization and making sure that we make informed decisions uh, so that focus will be obviously both on the content and the consumer uh, data. They will leverage broadcast and broadband platforms. As I mentioned earlier, we are currently only on linear and a limited amount is about 500,000 households on DTT. Um, and we do need to be able to play in the DTH space. Number one, it's got a 100% footprint uh, in the country. Number two, it is a far cheaper uh, distribution uh, network. And certainly we would be able to reap the benefits of that. The other advantage that gives us is to digitize much faster. The president has said that he wants to auction off the spectrum this year. Um, we'd be able to move much faster. With that, we'll be able to have additional channels. And obviously with that, we grow the local um, industry as well. So exploit our unrivaled and sought after content. And I mentioned earlier, top radio stations, uh, nine out of the top 10, um, our TV uh, of the top 10 uh, most viewed programs, we have nine uh, of that 10. And then all this is underpinned by people, of course. And we are implementing a culture revitalization program as well. <clears throat> so, We've developed a new target operating model and the guiding principles that we've used for the target operating model and certainly the new organization stru structure that we are wanting to implement is the, the turnaround plan that was developed, uh, the preconditions that were set by National Treasury and our very own strategic goals. Now our turnaround uh, uh, strategic objective is to develop a holistic operating model for the corporation inclusive of a proposed organization structure. National Treasury's condition, the second one was that we must be um, identify a list of initiatives for revenue enhancement and cost cutting. 
and um, reduction in staff costs was one of the preconditions um, for the bailout. And then on our human resources is to develop a dynamic and motivated fit for purpose workforce. Um, so if you look at our new target operating model, it's future proof. It enables the reduction of cost without compromising business continu continuity. And I mean, uh, Dudu will tell you, um, we haven't increased, for example, um, the costs um, for the local industry probably in the last 10 years. And we do need to address that. So while we need to reduce costs, it is can't be at the expense of certain um, the industry as well. And then we need to focus on technology as an enabler, and then certainly um, the right business decisions uh, we need to make. Now, if you look at the objectives uh, that we used in our target operating model, um, the first one is revenue. And um, obviously, th through the mandate that we currently have, our funding comes through revenue. So 97% of our funding is through revenue. Only three is through government grants. Um, and so that has to be a core focus. We are strong focus on content as well. Um, that is obviously getting the compelling content and distributing that. Our business models and platforms. Um, our costs uh, at the moment for Centec uh, distribution is exceptionally high and uh, it is not, not uh, feasible to continue that way. We're looking at our business processes, people, culture, and then obviously the structure as well. Now, one of the challenges that we've realized um, is that our business uh, um, uh, was base basically structured on old uh, thinking and, and, and certainly old uh, operating models. And this is just the distribution of our radio, uh, just to use it as an example. So if I uh, were to just use the Eastern Cape and Western Cape more because it's less sparsely uh, distributed, it's a bit cluttered on top here, you'll see that our current operating model would say that in Krobu, our radio station based in, in, in uh, Port Elizabeth, um, would have strategies just catering for that radio station within the Eastern Cape. Moreover, their uh, staff complement would be duplicated as if that radio station was a standalone radio station or a mono liner. Uh, if you look at the Western Cape, we've got Group over there, and they would have exactly the same. I just look at the lost opportunities that we have. Within the Western Cape, we've got 1.5 million uh, viewers of Incroble but there's no strategy around them. There's, there's no staff that is actually exploiting that as well because the focus of our radio stations is regional based. In our new operating model, we're changing that. In fact, of our 19 radio stations, only three of them are actually regional radio stations. Every single one, as you can see here, has a presence in at least six to nine other provinces. So our operating model is regional radio stations, yet they are actually national radio stations. And obviously with digitization uh, of radio coming on, onto the table now as well, this would be the advantages that we have. We would be able to play out various advertising campaigns, both in the Eastern Cape, 
and in the Western Cape simultaneously targeting different markets and obviously then growing the revenue accordingly. So our turnaround plan, um, as you know, was developed some time back already uh, by the department and by GTAC. Um, it has an ease underpinned by the strategic pillars uh, of the organization. And there is an extract there of the turnaround plan as well, what the major cost drivers are um, and so forth. I'm not gonna go too much into detail. Um, um, this is a public document and obviously it has been shared extensively. If we look at our funding model and uh, human resources around that, and we compare it with our competitors, we'll actually see that e-media only has 11% of the expenditure that they're spending on employees. Multi-choice has 15, and they spend 40% on content. BBC has 29%, and they spend 53% on content. Now, BBC is probably the closest model that we have to the South African context. Yet, if we compare ourselves, is they have 100% collection rate for uh, their television licenses, and they actually fund um, themselves from there. If we look at ourselves, we've got 41% employee cost, and we're only spending 22% on content. You've seen earlier that content is king. Everything revolves around having compelling content and to be able to exploit that. And we have to be able to move and get that balance right. Moreover, our funding model is, as I said, 97% um, is from revenue generation. Um, of that, 12% comes from licenses. We have a 70% default rate within South Africa with people not paying their television license. Now, you've seen that there's 10 million customers um, out there that is on DTH. So they've got a satellite solution. A huge percentage of that is not paying their television license yet they are paying substantially more for that subscription on a monthly basis than they would for an annual license. So if you look at our turnaround plan and the reasons why uh, we need to optimize and, and we're probably 10 years uh, too late uh, for this, it should have happened 10 years ago. So right now we find ourselves in, in severe economic uh, pressures and obviously um, that has been exacerbated by COVID-19 as well. And it's a world uh, uh, trend in terms of advertising revenue going down. But there's operational requirements as well. Uh, we are overstaffed. There's numerous uh, members of the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee that have actually, and I quote, said, we are bloated and we have been for a while. Now, there's an argument that we should be doing a skills audit to reskill people. And yes, that is important. But the skills audit is important for developing a personal development plan. It's important for ta talent management and certainly for succession planning as well. If you have a bloated structure, training them and reskilling them is not going to help at all. We know as a fact that digitization brings automation and with that, a lesser dependency on humans. So 
digitizing our business is actually going to make things worse and not better in terms of job creation. Um, there's also this misunderstanding around a, a 189 process and where we are. And I think it's important to, to mention. Um, in the PCC and a, a couple of our um, um, other people that have commented on this, have stated that um, our 189 process has been premature. Now, it's important to remember that we have issued a 189 notice to start the consultation process. We have not issued a 189 notice to terminate um, employees. And as part of the consultation process, is developing criteria, but it's also looking for alternatives to minimize the impact of 189. Now, that is a clearly legislative process, and we are being facilitated uh, through the CCMA. Somehow, um, people felt that there's a greater uh, success uh, possibility if they were to do consultations or get a third party to do that consultation outside of the CCMA process and uh, to France your earlier point of political interference um, that's probably why we had the sessions uh, last night but we welcome the sessions and the consultation that needs to occur so that we come to the correct decisions. Now, there was a couple from both unions um, last night um, that made some suggestions, and all of those things are valid suggestions that should be done within the consultation process. And we have actually um, extended the invitation and said outside of the normal CCMA facilitated sessions, which will be the four sessions, we are open to have as many sessions as possible. And some of the unions have actually asked us to have that because the documents that they've asked us for, they didn't understand and they would like us to present that. And we open to that. Now, let's look at the impact of COVID. Now, bearing in mind that we are being prevented from um, uh, digitizing our business completely. Um, you'll see this quote over here that the prediction is that we might be going into um, greater online advertising revenue than on the linear um, side of that. How are we going to be meeting um, that? Ian, if I can just ask you to, uh, just to kind of um, wrap up uh, so that we've got some time for discussion. Will do. I'll take one more minute. <clears throat> Thanks, Franz. So what we will be doing over there, we've come up with a new business model and we're certainly going to be looking at the revenue side of things. But uh, National Treasury has also um, identified one of the things as being having um, uh, partnership uh, agreements. So, France, I'll end it right there. Great. Thank you very much. Um, and obviously, there's a lot um, of food for discussion. And before I ask um, Dudu and, and Hannes to come in, and I'm sure there will be a lot of focus on the seizure of retrenchment, um, you know, it seemed to me that when I was looking at these presentations and listening to you now, um, basically four significant um, ideas stood out for me. 
Firstly, the assumption that there is no public money to be got uh, to any significant extent. I think you said 3% comes from the government at the moment. Um, it's one of the points that Dudu makes, I mean, in the SOS submission. Um, but your assumption in terms of what you're saying is really the public purse is not going to support the SABC. Secondly, I was really interested to see, and, and it's kind of, it's not addressed as directly as all that. But basically, I think the SABC is saying that DDT uh, has been a waste of money. And to some extent that we should move on and do find solutions that, that give unserved people access to television signals um, off a satellite. Um, thirdly, it sounds to me like you're pushing very hard to change the relationship with DSTV and other carriers around must carry um, uh, rules, around license collection. And then, of course, uh, the big one also is around headcount and skills. Um, just on the first three, before we get on to the, skill, to the skills, is that correct? I mean, you're assuming no public money, you're giving up on DTT, and you really were pushing hard for regulatory change, with, which will even the playing field, in your view, between yourselves and the commercial players. Thanks, Rams. So the first one um, is not an assumption, it is a fact. So we have been told by National Treasury there will be no more bailouts. Um, and as you know, if we're not gonna get bailouts, we either funded by uh, revenue that we generate ourselves, or we have to have a government grant. And we have been told there isn't any money for a government grant, nor is there any money for a bailout. So it's not an assumption. That is a fact. When it comes to DTT, no. Um, we, I'm not saying that, and we're certainly not saying that uh, DTT was a waste of money. Uh, when DTT was implemented, it was the right uh, thing to do at that time. However, um, it has come to the end of life, basically, that technology. And it's going to be with us for a while. But Centec would have to upgrade their network to be able to maintain the same level of coverage at a huge cost. And we are saying that we need to balance right now. Uh, the, the policy and the regulation says that we must have 86% on DTT and 14% on DTH. And we're saying that that uh, regulatory changes has to happen for the interest of SABC and certainly for the interest of the industry and for the country as well. Now, it would cost government nothing if, if that regulations were changed immediately and we are able to um, determine our own footprint for DTH um, and DTT. Um, and we certainly, the, uh, everybody would benefit from that. So in terms of our relationship with, with DSTV, yes, that regulatory changes has to occur. So um, there needs to be some form of a levy uh, that we get from them, or we are able to get them to um, collect those license fees on our behalf. The subscriber base is not paying license fees to us. They are paying their subscription to DSTV, and it is a known fact that most of them are consuming our content on the DSTV platform, um, and yet we are not getting any benefit uh, of that. Thanks. Okay, that's, thanks very much. That's very useful. Um, and if, then, of course, I mean, as you've, you, you've also zoned in on, on this issue of, of uh, skills and, and headcount, I mean, 
you're saying that these notices are begin a process of, of, of consultation, but in fact, I mean, your own plans, as you presented them before, said you would finish their skills audit before you go into a retrenchment mode. I mean, aren't, isn't the, aren't the critics right in that regard? You should have finished the, the skills audit before going down this road. So thanks, Franz. So the skills audit is not related to a 189 process. And we've been quoted um, out of context. We never once said that it's not relevant. The skills audit is very relevant. And I mentioned earlier, it's relevant for developing personal development plans, for talent management, and certainly for succession planning as well. But a skills development audit is not a prerequisite for a 189 process. It actually makes no sense uh, linking the two. Because if you have a bloated structure and you do a skills audit on that, you want to then, uh, because that's what the unions are saying, that we must now reskill people so that they can um, take up other roles within the organization. There isn't other roles. There is duplication of effort and function. And with digitization, uh, there's even going to be less. If you look at uh, for ourselves, we've got over 3,000 uh, employees. Our competitors have less than uh, um, 1,000 employees, yet they're running 20 to 30 channels. We're only running four channels. That shows you the, the level of bloatedness with, within our organization. Okay, thanks. Let me... Um, just remind everyone that um, we're here discussing uh, the SABC together with Dudu Makuse, with um, Ian um, Plaukis, as well as Hannes Tubisong. Um, as we're on this issue of retrenchments, I'm sure uh, Hannes, on behalf of BMAU, has some feedback, some, some points to make. Hannes, what is your view of where we are with regard to these issues? Thanks, uh, Franz. Yeah, let, let me just say... Um, uh, a few things. The first one is um, I saw on Ian, uh, Ian's presentation, he said that the Section 189 notice, uh, one of the CCMA commissioners has said that is the best notice that they've ever seen. The very same commissioner said that he's not listening to SABC News because it's biased. So, um, you know, it's, it's neither here nor there, the statement that has been made about the notice. The, the problem that that we have is that we the SABC cannot be compared to any other broadcaster in the world because there is no other broadcaster in the world that by law must broadcast in 11 official languages now just in terms of news we've not seen officially a structure the report back that we have received is that it seems that the SABC wants to remove the value chain in terms of each of those languages out of the system, saying that, for instance, in the COSA um, language uh, value chain, it's not necessary to have a bulletin editor and have some uh, value checks in that system. All of that can be collapsed into a flatter structure which is going to impact, if that is the case, on the quality of what is going to be put out at the end of the day. So the other thing and the other point that I want to make is that the SABC has 
um, a unique model, a model where it has, it's not a pure public broadcaster, it has got a commercial arm, and the commercial part was supposed to make money for the um, public broadcasting uh, side of the business. That part has failed as a result of the fact that management has not positioned the SABC timelessly for this vortex that is that that we currently been caught and 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 we're at the eye of the storm, so so the problem is the the, the low hanging fruits are always um, to cut employees because that is that is the cost. In the twenty, in the uh, in in, in the. I'm not sure which uh, specific, but I can look it up. One of the previous um, annual statements of the SABC, it has been specifically stated that broadcasting is a um, a human uh, people-intensive uh, job. We cannot be compared. We cannot be compared to a competitor who's running 30 commercial channels, but all of that is... Um, Automized and and there is no special skills that is needed in terms of the language in which those channels must be must be uh, presented. So so to to use the the forty one percent figures in terms of um, what the SABC say is 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 the cost involved. That is not correct. And once you increase the revenue, that uh, makes then a difference to that percentage. Um, yeah, th- this is this is my my opening remarks in respect of this. So, so you're saying, Hannes, actually the employment levels, the staffing levels at the SABC are perfectly fine. I mean, what do you make of the preliminary results from the the skills audit that say that there is a huge mismatch of qualifications between people and and the jobs that they do? Well, that, that skills audit is fatally flawed. Um, the consultant uh, who has conducted that particular skills audit is on record, um, that, who said that the, um, the, the skills audit questionnaire will not correctly capture the skills. We are not saying that the, the SABC um, is not allowed to 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 right size itself but we are saying that what we need to do is we need to see evidence of this bloated structure if you talk about for instance human resources the sabc is the only company in the world that we're aware of that has got like i think five or seven general managers in human resources most definitely that is an anomaly um, you don't need that kind of structure in terms of, of, for instance, human resources. But when we talk about operational issues, when we talk about um, jobs that needs to be done, this, the support structure in terms of, of, of the broadcasting people, we have not seen evidence that they are um, that the SABC is overstaffed. In fact, the SABC is currently appointing. How do you appoint if you say that you are overstaffed? And it's not an excuse to say, while well, we are filling critical positions, 
the, the, the very same person that has, that has been appointed at IT, there is nothing special uh, to that particular skill that someone, for instance, inside the SABC could not do. But we are appointing people from outside. News has been complaining about having shortage of staff. We know that there are people that's, that, that currently are performing two people's jobs at news. So, so we have not seen evidence in terms of that. And the skills audit as it stands... Um, means absolutely nothing, it's null and void, because the, the consultants themselves have said that a questionnaire has not, um, um, is not able and capable to capture the correct skills of, of employees. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll, I'd be interested to hear what Ian has to say to that also. But um, let's ha hear from Dudu. I mean, you put forward um, some a set of ideas a couple of uh, just the other day, I think. Um, and you seem also to be accepting that there is some need for right sizing. But just give us some um, idea of what SOS is, is feeling about the situation, what, is, what your attitude is to the steps being proposed by the SABC. You're muted. Here we go. Thank you. Um, so I think in the long and short of it really is that for, for the SOS coalition, we, we want to see an institution that is able to deliver on the public interest mandate. Um, whether that requires, you know, moving people around the organization or reskilling or whatever, that's an operational issue. But I think we would be disingenuous to not... Um, take cognizance of the SABC's history, particularly in recent years as well, where it was publicly documented in its financial documents that they had all kinds of salary increases, all kinds of promotions and things that added to this situation. And I can accept the point that perhaps if you're saying that 42% um, of, of your expenses is the right amount in relation to the, an organization of that size, what, what I'm not hearing is how labor and staff are going to contribute to increasing the revenues so that 42% becomes a sustainable figure. You know, I think we're not being honest about the fact that the, the independent production sector has shared a lot of jobs over the years as part of, you know, the SABC's inability to meet its financial obligations. And for us to focus just on the institution and the people inside it, while that might be the center of its activities, is, is, is just, it's, it's a non-starter. We need the SABC itself to be clear and commit to the fact that it is a public broadcaster, which by default then also means it won't ever be profitable, but it should be able to survive in a digital environment. And we need to be also just be clear about the fact that we need to amend legislation and regulations to give them the amount of flexibility that is required to survive in this new environment. I think to simply just say it is either yes to no to retrenchments or no to retrenchments is a very simplistic um, avenue to take. There's a lot of other nuanced approaches that we can take, some of which have already been put on the table, such as must carry, must pay, um, such as the collection of license fees from subscribers. It would literally cost 22 rand and 8 cents on every single DSTV holder's subscription to collect those license fees in a year. So these are some of the things that we should just be making plans to make happen while we figure out how to address the 42%, 22% um, discrepancy because 
if you look at it superficially, it doesn't make sense that you would have this huge public mandate, have to deliver on 11 languages, and then you're spending 22% of your budget to deliver that content. And you're saying that your staff internally are actually doing double jobs. So two, one person is doing two jobs. You, you've got to right sizes and rejig the entire thing. And I think both sides are going to have to give to meet in the middle here. Would you agree, Dudu, that um, given what you've said, that it is premature now to begin the retrenchment process? I'm not sure if it's premature. I, I think it's, it's, for us, it's about, have you exhausted all other opportunities or all other avenues? Can you show evidence that you have? And once you have done so, then follow the right process, follow due process and be just and fair about it. Um, we don't want to see a situation where all the juniors are let go or all the content production people are let go when we know very well that even in a digital environment, you're going to need all those people. So you, you, you almost can't take a hammer to the situation. You need a scalpel and you need to be clear about why people are either being let go of or being moved into different positions. I mean, your proposal also suggests that there should be um, public money. I mean, Ian says it, it's very clear. It's just not on the table. I mean, it wasn't on the, on the table before COVID. Now it's completely out of the question. Surely that's an unrealistic um, suggestion. I think it's, 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 a, it's a suggestion that we want to keep on the table because of how we've seen that when there is money available, but there's no legislation or regulation or even policy to, to support how that money is going to be spent, it almost always gets just siphoned off and nobody knows what happened to it. Just like what happened when the SABC sold off some of its properties, um, you know, two decades earlier. So we want to be in a position where if they become, if we get into a situation where public money is available, then it should be ring fenced specifically for the mandates because that's where the SABC is complaining the most. And that's also where Labour is saying you need all these people to deliver on this mandate. So if we are having a public broadcaster, the public purse to some degree has to fund that public mandate. And I mean, what you've heard, what I'm hearing both from Dudu and from Hannes with some differences in, in, uh, in emphasis and, and, and strength, I think, is the sense that while right-sizing and some job losses may be inevitable, you really haven't done enough to demonstrate that that's now the, the essential and the only way um, to, to balance the books. Yeah, Thank you. Um, yes, so um, that's, that's exactly the purpose of consultation, so that we can work through these things and see what are the alternatives to uh, retrenching. So, I mean, Hannes has not just now, but on, on numerous occasions agreed with, with us that there is a need for right-sizing. And he cited just HR as an example with his five GMs in HR. And, and he's, he said that that's unprecedented. And we agree with him. And so that's the whole idea of the consultation process so that we can share what the proposed structure uh, should be, get inputs uh, from the union members and from other non-union members as well, and come up with the optimal structure. And if we are going to be going down the retrenchment route, what the criteria will be for that. So we fully, I fully agree with him. I fully agree that we need to look at 
additional um, uh, revenue streams as well. In fact, we're doing exactly that. Uh, within the next week or two, we'll be making announcements. So prior to COVID-19, um, we started the year off with a planned deficit of 400 million. Uh, we had additional plans that we obviously have been working on um, that would have created additional revenue streams. And we were very bullish that we would have actually closed that 400 million rand gap this current financial year. So based on the turnaround plans, it would take us two years to break even. We were quite confident that we would have actually brought it in in this year. However, with COVID, it has left us with a deeper hole um, that we need to uh, come up with some other alternative um, uh, methods of closing that gap. So we have looked at the revenue side of, of, of the business and how we can and, and, uh, deal with that. The two biggest cost drivers for the organization is labor costs and distribution costs. And we are in discussions with, with um, Centec as well to see how we can reduce that cost. Um, in two days ago in the PCC, the Deputy Minister actually mentioned that that might be an option that they could facilitate in terms of seeing how we reduce uh, that cost. <clears throat> All of those things we have worked on, are working on, and certainly are open to that discussions. That's exactly why you have a consultation process in the 189 process, which is facilitated, as I said, by the CCMA. So we're open to all of the, those, those uh, uh, suggestions. Uh, thanks, Ron. Okay, I am, I'm conscious of time. Uh, we've got uh, another 10 minutes. Um, let me just once again invite uh, everybody who's uh, watching us or, or, or tuning in in some, some form to, to join the conversation, either by sending us a, a voice note um, or by ask, uh, making a point in the chat or the Q&A function, and we'll try and bring that into the conversation, um, or then to extend um, the discussion onto social media um, on whatever platform you want to use. But I, I do want to um, spend a few minutes looking more widely um, at the bigger picture questions. I mean, we've spent a lot of time now on the immediate situation, and of course, you know, the minute anybody says retrenchments, that kind of squeezes aside any other considerations. But I think it would be remiss if we didn't think about public broadcasting in the digital world. Um, when I was looking at your documents before the session, it seemed to me that there was really not very much in the plans that I saw in terms of adapting the SABC to the digital world. Your presentation now to us, I mean, I think you started there and you made various points. Um, but I would like to ask all three of you just to quickly say something about how you see uh, public broadcasting in South Africa, given the language issues, um, uh, in the rapid, rapidly, uh, I mean, quite soon it'll be an almost completely digital world. Um, let me start at the other end. Let me start with Dudu. How do you see public broadcasting's role um, in and shape, let me say, in, in the new world? Thank you. Um, I think public broadcasting in the digital era becomes more about the public interest and people-centeredness of the quest of the content and of the programming. Um, I'm imagining we will we'll be fully immersed in a multi-platform environment. 
Um, also, this is dependent on the fact that, you know, at that point in time, you expect ubiquitous internet or other DTH technologies to allow for universal access. And in that kind of environment where there's so much content and so much information available, it's even more important that you have at least one entity that is focused on the social, cultural, and political goals that are captured in what it means to have a public mandate. Um, I see delivery of, of, of not just audiovisual content in different languages, but also websites and other platforms in um, our 11 official languages so that you, so you start preserving the culture as well, not just from what we hear and see, but also from what we read. So, yeah. So it's a question really of becoming a, a public broadcaster that uh, uses all the platforms, particularly the digital platforms where people are. Um, Absolutely. I mean, how does that work financially, though? Because as we know, a lot of the online money goes overseas. We don't see it here. I think that's the biggest challenge. And, um, you know, the 10-year the delay really in South Africa's digital migration project um, has been disastrous on, on multiple fronts um, because had we migrated at the time when we were supposed to, when the technology was still fit for purpose, we would have started hacking out some of these, of, of these business models. But now we've lost um, what was eventually, what was essentially the last remaining main revenue stream, which was advertising. And in that kind of environment, we also have the additional problem of having to collect money either through fees, subscription fees, freemium models from a population that is unemployed. Um, and so the inequality and unemployment factor is going to be a huge inhibitor, I think, in our ability to collect digital revenues on those platforms. And it's something that requires constant experimentation right now, um, rather than to wait for when the internet is everywhere. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think one of the things that one would really like to see from the SABC is a little bit more experimentation. I was uh, seeing the other day that the BBC is developing um, an artificial intelligence assistant, a British voice, because all the others are American, um, that will assist in, uh, you know, calling up whether it's news or weather or whatever it is. I mean, that's just fascinating and interesting. Um, but of course, one gets that there are immediate challenges that the SABC has to confront. Hannes, what does uh, public broadcasting look like to you in a digital world? Rangia, I think, you know, public broadcasting will be public broadcasting. It is just different platforms that, um, as Dudu has said, and I agree with her, is it, it's just different platforms where, where the SABC in particular must go and look and follow um, uh, those people. I'm not so sure whether DTT is really dead, um, whether the majority of our population who, who seems to be quite poor would be able to afford, for instance, satellite uh, kind of technology. Uh, maybe internet and free internet and that kind of, of, of issues would, would, would be something um, I, I have seen the other day and I was quite astounded by what is called a loon and, 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 and I had to go and Google and, and see what is a loon and it seems to be that Google has put up some balloons that they um, transmit internet, free internet um, over rural areas. Um, it has been actually be listed as um, as aircraft, um, and one can follow them. So, so that 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 is most certainly the the kind of technology that one would would look at. But if we are going to look at the majority of our 
population who's reliant on on mainly radio for for their news in particular i am not so sure if 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 satellite would be serving those particular uh, um part of our population the the main thing is that i think that th- there should be no competition in as such in 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 the in the public broadcasting part of of things because that is a mandate by law that must be delivered the commercial side of the sabc that is the side that that's actually supposed to fund the public side of the sabc and here's the thing it has funded it successfully in the past from the last 10 years i think that it is only since this last administration that has been put out there that has been kicked out of the sabc it is since they took over that the sabc um ended up in this huge um financial problems but previously the sabc has posted um surpluses um so it is able to fund itself it is just that in our view the sabc has been fast asleep they were waiting, and, and, and I don't say that everything is their fault. They've been waiting for government in terms of DTT and the rollout of that. I saw in one of the financial statements that, that I think that they spent billions of rands in, in, in putting equipment um, and, and uh, infrastructure in place to deal with DTT. But that is just never came off the ground, and that is a cheaper option um in in my view than than the satellite thing but most certainly um it is our duty um as a public broadcaster to continue to deliver uh, news and entertainment in 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 the 11 different languages this is what we must do it is for the sabc to follow that that market to make sure certainly and most certainly they the SABC must be funded. If the commercial side of the SABC is unable for one or other reason to uh, to fund the public uh, service side of it, then either the SABC must then do away with that particular part and then purely became a public broadcaster that has been funded by government. Thank you very much. I mean, as we've heard, and I think it's it's common cause that the government just isn't going to give that kind of money. Um, I'm running out of time, but there is a comment here from Louise Uester, who says content equals is king and should be the most important, yet in the proposed structure for radio, the word content does not appear. It seems to be the same structure and jobs just with a smaller structure. You need content producers, content presenters, etc., and then push that to the platforms, be that linear and so on. Uh, currently in South Africa, 70% uh, of, or plus of all radio listeners still listen by traditional radio with uh, half via mobile and cell, um, etc. Um, Ian, we're almost out of time. Two questions. Is satellite too costly to, uh, to offer as an alternative to DTT? And secondly, um, maybe just a line on the content li- um, argument that was just made. Really a sentence. The, the content line, um, I disagree with uh, uh, Louise. Uh, it is content is king for us, and uh, we are able to be uh, nine out of ten because our content is good on radio, and certainly nine out of ten because our content is good on television. Uh, in terms of DTT, I didn't say DTT is dead. DTT makes sense in uh, densely populated areas, and it will always be part of the, our platforms that we use. DTH 
you are going to be spending billions of rands upgrading a DTT platform where you can use that money and offset that and give people that cannot afford a dish a dish instead of buying them IDTVs and a whole host of other money that would be wasted. In terms of where, uh, is that it? I, I think so. Um, th I, I want to say thanks very much, and I'm sorry to cut the conversation short. Um, somebody said to me beforehand we could do a couple of hours on, the, on, on these issues, and perhaps there will be other opportunities. But I want to thank uh, the three of you, um, Ian, Dudu, and Hannes, for your participation. I want to thank um, the Konrad Adenauer Foundation uh, for their support, IONO, the Abundant Media Group, RCS, Crossfade, and the NAB. Please remember that we are still on with daily sessions on a whole range of different topics as Radio Days Africa. Um, tomorrow, we'll deal with gifted. Thank you very much. Please check out radiodaysafrica.co.za. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy.